Welcome to the Talk with Clouds podcast. Your host is Katie Ann, an island girl on a journey with her guests to learn about their backgrounds, businesses, passions, experiences, life lessons, and wins. Come and laugh, cheer, learn, and plan with us. My friend, take some time to come and talk with Clouds. world. Welcome to Talk with Clads. My name is Katie Yen and I will be your host for today. We have a special guest in the house today. Her name is Mrs. Jasanya Gibbs Compare and she is the owner of Not Your Average Pate Code and is a part of Global Media and Information Literacy Week. We will be speaking about some of the myths of um, infertility in the minority community. So, Jasania, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. All right, all right. So, uh, Jasani, you want to refresh the guests a little bit if they haven't heard you in your previous com- podcast, a little bit about your background? and about your company. Sure. So uh, like Katie Ann said, my name is Jasania Gibbs-Compare. I am the CEO, owner, founder of Not Your Average Pate Code, which is an all-around catering service, homely meal, private chef experience extraordinaire. So yeah, I'm happy to be back. Okay. In aborting a different topic this time. A different topic. And this is one of the topics that you said, Katie Ann. This is what I want to talk about. I'm very passionate about this. CLADS Resources and Consulting values its customers. Our planner Footsteps to My Vision is a 13-month planner that can be used for five years. It walks you through SMART goals, SWOT analysis, action planning, and holds you accountable through three monthly check-ins. We work only with top quality materials, innovative designs, and verified suppliers, which are guaranteed to deliver to our high expectations because when it comes to our customer satisfaction, there's no room for compromise. Made with high quality PU leather and paper planner helps you focus on achieving your goals by giving you a sense of personal and professional satisfaction. Some of the amazing features of this product Vision Board Planner, Luxury Pen, 8GB USB Flash Drive, Wireless Mouse, Ultra Elegant Packaging Box, available in five stunning colors, black, red, gold, pink, navy blue. Material, PU Leather, 13-month planner, elastic band for easy handling. Our Footsteps to My Vision is available at Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, our website, and at Walmart. You may also follow us at www.cladsresources.com, Instagram, Clads Resources, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Clads Resources forward slash. You're listening to Talk with Clads. Find more resources online at cladsresources.com. Now back to the show with your host, Katie Ann. Infertility, defined in the dictionary, is the inability to conceive. Right. The inability for a woman to conceive. conceive. Right. And Woman or man. 
Well, oh, yes. Yes. Because a lot of times, yeah, I think I actually just start, did that because a lot of times we automatically Always. assume it that it is the woman. And I just did that. Yeah. Like I literally just did that. Mm-hmm. So infertility, I'm, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you cleared, cleared that up, that infertility is the inability for man or fe- male or female to conceive. to conceive. Yep. So what are some effects of infertility? I mean, it's an array of effects. It can be physically demanding on your body, mentally demanding, bone crushing. You have at times hopes or feelings of hopelessness. Um, right. Depression can set in. Honestly, it's just an array of things, to be honest with you. Like, just about anything that you can think of can affect you in that sense. Okay. Now, do you think that women of color are more fertile than any other groups? And do they experience infertility? I want to say that I... Honestly, I'm not 100% sure in the case of if there's a class of women or a race of women who um, are more fertile than the other. I can say this, um, for us women, as African-American women, we definitely don't get exposed to the ideas of infertility even being a topic um, in home. It's very taboo. Yes. It's very taboo. So I knew you were coming on. So I, I looked it up because I was like, well, I know, I'm kind of curious to see if women of color are more fertile because I believe, you know, we were used as slaves. Absolutely. To, to reproduce. For Gynecology some. was built on our backs. Yes. But it's a myth. That, um, studies have shown that women of color are 1.5 times more likely to experience infertility than women of other races. The problem is that we just don't speak about it. Correct. So I'm glad that we're often we're we're now having this conversation so if you are a minority you know you if you you have someone to speak to or know that it while it may be a taboo in some customs that it's still okay for you to speak about it so tell us a little bit about what your journey has been like um honestly it's been a whirlwind and um i must say this Being an African-American woman um, growing up in a Haitian household, very strict Christian-based household, I want to say, too, where sex in general is not even a topic. That itself plays out into your adulthood because you don't really find it um, necessary to really go to the gynecologist and see, okay, well, is everything okay? You know, you probably, you may or may not even go. They say, technically, when you turn 18, you should go to the gynecologist in general. But um, you may or may not even go because of, for me personally, it was the household that I was in. And it's just a topic that we don't abort. And it's just something that was never really spoken of. So when I got married, um, it never really occurred to me that, you know, there could be an issue. It's kind of like... In the movies, how media predicts that you get married to someone you love mm-hmm. and you have a love child, you know, and everything just ends up happening the way it should happen. So when we actually got married and we miscarried the first time, I was devastated. But even when I went to the hospital and I miscarried, it was a circumstance where even the doctor who was tending to me was like, oh, this happens all the time. It was almost like as if it was watered down. 
And although mentally and physically I was completely gone, it was as if the doctor, you know, even the doctor came in and he's like, oh, well, my wife miscarried the first time. And my mother even said to me, you know, she married, miscarried multiple times before Mm -hmm. she was able to conceive. So I just kind of registered it as, okay, this is the first child. The doctor said, usually the first child doesn't stick. So I was like, okay, I, I just chucked it up to that. It didn't alleviate the pain that I was feeling from losing my child, but it kind of gave me like this sense of, okay, well, this is normal. This isn't anything that I need to look further into. So what happened was is after it happened, because it was such an impact on me mentally and physically, um, we decided to pause on trying to conceive again. Right. Because it was just a lot, even though it was a circumstance where, oh, okay, you know, this is a normal thing. I just wanted to take a hold off of it and everything and just continue our process. We just got married. So we decided again to try to conceive. And when we tried to conceive, it happened. It it was net for us, it was never an issue of not conceiving. We every time that we tried it it always happened for us. So when we tried to conceive the second time, it happened. And just as we suspected, we were pregnant. And, you know, we went to the first doctor's appointment, everything was fine. And although it's like I had this feeling in the back of my mind and heart that I, it was like this unsettling feeling because of what happened the first time, I wanted to tell myself, well, you know, this is what the doctor said the first time. Don't really think about this. Try to enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing about miscarriages is the idea of happiness throughout your pregnancy after you miscarriage kind of gets thrown out the window because you're always on edge right? every time after you get pregnant because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. You want to make sure that the baby goes to full term. Correct. Right. right. So going to the different um, physicians, like what was your experience? Did they treat you, treat you differently? Were they compassionate? Did they show you empathy? What was that experience like? Man, I kind of I kind of went through a couple physicians. I remember when I first miscarried, like I said, I never had a consistent gynecologist. So when I first got married and I miscarried that time, I found a gynecologist who my mother went to. And um, I said, okay, well, let me give him a try. And when I went to him, it was fresh after my miscarriage, after the hospital, when I had to do a DNC, they want you to do a checkup after two weeks to make sure everything's okay. So what's a DNC? DNC is when they go in and they basically do a clean, let me give you the proper terminology for it. But basically what it is, is that they go in and they, it's a dilation of curatage procedure, also known as a DNC. It's a surgical procedure in which the cervix, the lower narrow part of the uterus is dilated or expanded. So that way your uterine lining can be scraped and basically cleared out of every excess that the baby could have left behind or the process of the baby could have left behind. So when I miscarried, I had to go into the hospital and do that procedure to make sure because a lot of times if those things get left, you can get subject to infection. So they just want to make sure that everything's cleared out so that way you can make way for a healthy pregnancy in the future. Okay. So the male OBGYN that I dealt with, he was completely insensitive to the whole 
miscarriage. And I remember going into his office and this was my first experience of having an OBGYN in my entire life. And it just happened to be after I miscarried. So I was in a very fragile position. And I remember sitting in his office and crying and him not even offering me a tissue. Wow. And him just saying, you know, um, what are your plans? And, you know, I mentioned to him, I don't think we're ready to try because everything was very fresh for me. And he said, okay, well, we're going to put you on birth control. I'm going to send a script to the pharmacy. That's it. That was it. I did not care. That was it. Did not care. And I made, I made a vow to myself. I left that office and I said, I'm never going back. And I never went back. Okay. Yeah. I never went back. I found a different um, practice to go to, which is um, where I met my doctor, who was amazing. And um, she kind of walked me through my entire journey. And I have been so happy with her since then. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I want to point this out to our audience because you are very young. Yeah. In the fertility world, yes. Yes, in the fertility world. And one of the things, one of the myths of infertility is that mostly older women struggle with infertility, right? Yeah. And you are? 29 years old. 29 and, and, and... And this happened when I was 28, 27. Yeah. So um, the stat says 6% of all married women in their late 20s are infertile. Mm-hmm. And the same percentage of married women in their early 40s. So though most women who seek infertility are over 34, nearly 13% of women in their late 20s receive it as well. So that is a strong myth that only older women have um, experienced infertility. So... Going back and like going through your experiences, do you think that racism um, occurs in healthcare? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely, without a doubt. Like we said earlier, uh, gynecology was built on a black woman's back. Mm-hmm. Every aspect of it was created and known today because a black woman sacrificed for it to be here. So with that being said, I don't know that I don't know if well the idea behind it back then is that they assumed that black women didn't feel pain mm. as much as other races or if I'm to be politically correct caucasian women right so because they had that assumption and if we even go into studies today it's still in a lot of doctors minds till this day that we Black people in general don't feel the same amount of pain as other races do, that we have a higher pain tolerance than they do. So with that being said, there are a lot of procedures. And even for me, too, when I had um, prep for my second DNC, I was given a pill to dilate my cervix. And, you know, I spoke to my doctor and I was like, hey, you know, do I need to take anything for this pill? Is it going to affect me? Am I going to feel any pain? And she's like, no, you don't have to take anything. Maybe you can just take a tine and all. And when I took the pill, I was in excruciating pain. And I went back to my doctor the next day and I said, why would you do that? If you know what this medicine is going to do, why would you tell me not, why would you not prescribe me something that can alleviate that pain. 
I was in agony all night. Oh, my. So then how do you feel when someone says, well, you know what? If God wanted you to have children, then he would allow you to have children. I don't know. I, I want to I wanna say that coming from a very religious background, a very um, Christian background, I think it's difficult. I think it's not. I think it's different for women who suffer with infertility and deal with multiple miscarriages because in a way, I hate to say it, but sometimes you're kind of like, why God am I going through this? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you say to yourself, um, maybe it's just not meant for me. Right. Maybe it's just not meant, to, meant for me, but in reality, it's just maybe you don't have the resources. Right. Right. We, are, we, we don't have the same resources as some. some and then also if it's taboo in, in, in our culture and, you know, unfortunately, also slavery is wrapped into, into religion. So um, there, there's also I, I feel like a brainwashing of the mind. Absolutely. Where, you know, he's given if we have the resources and if we spoke about it more openly, then, you know, the approach would be a little bit different. Definitely. Um, you know, he's given us the, the the physicians the capability of help assisting us with with it, and he's put some uh, solutions in place mm-hmm. so that we can try to, to approach infertility. So speaking about solutions, based on your journey, what are some solutions that you've seen um, for infertility? Well, for me personally, it wasn't until after my second miscarriage and after um, that, that I had to basically become an advocate for myself. And there's a lot of things that comes into play when it comes to infertility, insurance-wise, business-wise, that the doctors won't tell you and not because they don't want to, but just because this is how they get paid. Right. So if you're not advocating for yourself and researching for yourself, they're not going to advocate for you. You're just another patient. Mm-hmm. So when I had my second miscarriage, at this point, from the first experience, them telling me, oh, this is normal, this happens all the time, I said to myself, how is this possible that it's happening again to me when we're relatively healthy were relatively young. I had recently lost a bunch of weight in order to conceive because that was probably one of the issues that my doctor had said to begin with that because of me being overweight, it could cause, because I have PCOS as well, and my being overweight would cause me to miscarry. So before we tried again, we initially waited those two years because I wanted to try to be my healthiest self. So that way I can be a healthy canvas or beacon to carry a child right so after going through all of that and losing weight and making those sacrifices and it's still happening to us i after i remember vividly going in because we were supposed to hear the baby's heartbeat and my husband um was waiting in the car because around covid you can't come in and you know we're doing the ultrasound and the ultrasound tech was very silent and she's like oh i just have to get the doctor so she goes and get the doctor and the doctor, you know, proceeds to tell me that, unfortunately, there won't be no heartbeat heard today. Infertility conversations at time can be really, really uncomfortable. And I do appreciate that Jess is here. I know you just had <laughs> a little bit like you're reliving the moment. So we had yeah. to take a quick break. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just walking our listeners through, you know, what your journey has been like. And I know um, 
right now. So talk about IVF, which is one of the solutions of um, infertility. Walk us through that process. Definitely. So um, going back to kind of where I left off so that I can jump into IVF even being an option for us. When I went through the second miscarriage, they I actually, you know, went in as an advocate for myself. Also, I want to say thank you for uh, giving me this platform to talk about this. And it is a very um, tender topic for me because it is something that I am living, still going through now. We're still in the process, but I feel like um, this opens up a gateway for a lot of other women who... um, probably would be scared to even talk about it or mention and, it. And men too. And men. Who are maybe on, on uncomfortable to even get tested. Yeah. Right. So um, when I went in, um, because everything was so fresh and I had been going to the doctor. So um, when I went in for that DNC, I mentioned to the doctor, I need to know what's going on. We're relatively young. The PCOS had kind of subsided because I had lost um, a substantial amount of weight. So really, um, on paper, there wasn't really anything that should be stopping us from being able to conceive. Right. So um, she's, she actually even mentioned, me, mentioned to me, usually we cannot do um, pathology work because insurance purposes, you have to miscarry three times. Oh, wow. Before they consider you um, someone who has multiple losses. So, um, repeated miscarriages. So the insurance before they cover, you have to have three miscarriages before they can categorize you as someone who has multiple miscarriage, um, problems. They have, you have to miscarry consecutively three times in a row. So say if you get pregnant, you miscarry twice, get pregnant and then miscarry again, you have to start all over again. So if you have to you have to miscarry three times consecutively in a row for them to go ahead and then bill that insurance to find out what's going on. Oh my god, the trauma that is attached to that. Absolutely. The trauma. So I mentioned to her, I need to know what's going on because we're, you know, I, I it just doesn't make any sense to me. So um she went ahead and said that she will find a way, and this is one of the reasons why I absolutely adore her, because she um, went ahead and did the pathology work on the fetus. Um, when she d- went in for the DNC, they took the fetus and did blood work on the fetus to find out maybe there is something going on to, okay. to see, you know, from what ex- where we can pinpoint what's going on. So I remember going into that office when she called me and said that she had the reports back. And, you know, sitting in the office with her and she mentioned to me that it was a, um, it was a genetically based issue and that it actually, um, was a chromosomal issue. And she told me from which side it came from, right? whether it came from the mother or the father. And she told me the sex of the child as well. And then after she told me from which side it came from, she sent us both to do blood work. Okay to pinpoint exactly what was going on. So we found out that, um, and this is why I want to say, you know, I want to be as candid as possible, but it was a circumstance where our fetus had balanced translocation, which is a chromosomal imbalance. Not imbalance, but balance, if that makes sense. So basically what it is is that we have 22 chromosomes. Mm-hmm. 11 comes from mom, 11 comes from dad. 
And so when they match up, they make your full DNA 22, half you, half, half mom, half dad. So because one of us are in balance, when one of their chromosomes go to match up with the spouse's chromosome, because it's unbalanced, it's your body will, luckily for me, I, I want to say that my body recognized that chromosomally my baby was not going to be healthy. Oh, okay. So because my body recognized that, my body expelled the pregnancy. Okay. So there are a lot of times where your body doesn't recognize and you have a child that could have an array of issues issues or illnesses or syndromes like down syndrome is one of them um i'm sorry um it could be um an array of issues that you could have and your child could have and you wouldn't know you wouldn't be able to pinpoint how it it came about okay so for us after we found out exactly what was going on with the fetus, um, they basically told us we had three options. Um, and after doing research on balanced translocation too, because like I said, you have to be an advocate for yourself and they will give you all of this medical jargon and you will have to go back and kind of decipher and depict everything. So because it was fairly new for us, um, we went back and we did our research and I joined a bunch of groups on Facebook, mm. you know, who had balanced translocation and I had my husband do the same because it was from my husband's side, the balanced translocation. And from what they said, it's just it's just a genetic imbalance that happens at birth and half the time your parents don't even know because you have some people who have balanced translocation like my husband who don't have any comorbidities, any illnesses, any issues. It's just difficult for us to conceive. And then you have the visual person who has balanced translocation. You can see it. And you can see that there's something wrong. Okay. So they gave us three options. They said that we can continuously try to conceive with that will come multiple miscarriages mm. on our own, which is what happened to us. Cause we tried to conceive even after that. And we probably had two or three more miscarriages after the two that we had. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. So with that, we'll be trying to conceive. There's a chance that you can conceive and have a child that has balanced translocation. Like my husband, where they're perfectly fine. It will just be an issue for them in the future to conceive, to match up their chromosomes with their spouse's chromosome. Or you can have a child who can have apparent issues where their quality of life wouldn't be the same as, so to speak, another child. Okay. Or we can go with our third option, which was IVF, but not just simply IVF. Um, we would have to do genetic testing with our embryos to make sure that the embryo is not a carrier of balanced translocation. So not only are we doing IVF and creating our embryos in the lab, um, we are sending our embryos out to get tested genetically to make sure that they're not a carrier of balanced translocation. 
Okay. So for us, it's a it's a it's a three step process. Right. And then after they send out all of our embryos to find out which ones are the carriers, which ones are not, then we would have to go back to do a frozen embryo transfer for the ones that are fine genetically. How costly is something like that? Here, it will cost you. Here in the U.S. Here in the U.S., it will cost you anywhere from. I want to say twenty five to thirty or forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, but I'm not doing it in the U.S. Right. I originally was working with a facility here, and I didn't really like the experience that I was having with them. I didn't feel like it was very personalized because our situation, that's the thing about infertility is that people don't tend to understand is that it's like a DNA. There are so many different aspects of infertility. Yeah. There are so many different aspects of infertility and so many different avenues of it. Right. So with that being said, A lot of times it gets lost in translation because a lot of these fertility clinics are, have like a one track mind in a sense. They view you as a number. Right. You kind of come in and they assume or they give you the same treatment that they would give the next person. Who has, probably has a different issue. Who has a different issue. When in reality, your issue is completely constructed for you. Right. And vice versa. So when we initially went in, because we made the conscious decision that we didn't want to keep trying after we tried um, multiple times and we miscarried on me mentally and physically, it was hard on my husband mentally and physically, it was hard. Right. And he didn't like seeing me in that frame of mind. And he didn't want to put me in that frame of mind. Right. So he and I both made the conscious decision that we were going to go the IVF route. We didn't want to keep trying at home, although there was a possibility that we could conceive at home and have a normal pregnancy. It was just something that we did not want to continue doing. So um, we started researching I started researching, and um, when we spoke to the first facility, it was not only did they not give us a price, they didn't really speak to us in a in a sense that was unique to our situation. And they had our labs, they had our information, and it was just kind of like a general idea of what IVF would be. Nothing specific to us. And I actually found this couple on Instagram. And um, it was this young lady who was having difficulty getting conceiving. And I followed her story for a while. And um, she mentioned that she went to Barbados IVF and she tried IVF here and it was a failed cycle here in the States. So she did her research and found Barbados IVF Mm -hmm. and she ended up going to Barbados IVF and she ended up conceiving two twin boys. And she spoke about how her experience was completely different from the one she had here and how attentive they were and how much they paid attention. CLAD's resources and consulting values its customers. Our Planner Footsteps to My Vision is a 13-month planner that can be used for five years. 
It walks you through SMART goals, SWOT analysis, action planning, and holds you accountable through three monthly check-ins. We work only with top quality materials, innovative designs, and verified suppliers which are guaranteed to deliver to our high expectations because when it comes to our customer satisfaction, there's no room for compromise. Made with high quality PU leather and paper planner helps you focus on achieving your goals by giving you a sense of personal and professional satisfaction. Some of the amazing features of this product, vision board planner, luxury pen, eight gigabyte USB flash drive, wireless mouse, ultra-elegant packaging box, available in five stunning colors, black, red, gold, pink, navy blue. Material, PU leather, 13-month planner, elastic band for easy handling. Our Footsteps to My Vision is available at Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, our website, and at Walmart. You may also follow us at www.cladsresources.com, Instagram, Clads Resources, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Clads Resources forward slash. You're listening to Talk with Clads. Find more resources online at cladsresources.com. Now back to the show with your host, Katie Ann. Yeah, so um, when she mentioned them, she said they were very attentive. She said that they um, really took their time to get to know her and her spouse and her situation. And so I ended up reaching out to them. And instantly from the first conversation, I could I could sense the difference. Right. Well, and that's important, yes. especially if you're going through such such type, you know, that type of process. Very important, you know, in such a sensitive moment that healthcare providers are aware of how to speak to and treat a, 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 a patient. So was Barbados a little bit cheaper? Oh, much, much cheaper. For us, I think we're spending, I want to say less than 15, less than $15,000. Wow. Yeah. Compared to what the, the U.S. Yep. And Barbados is actually known for their medicine too. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really good. Yep. So then what, what's the, what do you think of the myth when they say that the average woman cannot afford infertility? I think it's all about... Um, IVF, I am sorry. Yeah, I think it's all about resources. Um, I think you can afford anything. <laughs> um, I think if you really want something, yeah. um, sky's the limit. And I think that um, a lot of people put a myth around third world countries or different countries. But you have to keep in mind that this country is functioning. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why this country's functioning. Now, I'm not telling you to go anywhere around the world to get a procedure done. Obviously, um, even if you were getting a procedure done in the U.S., one, issues can happen here. And two, you're going to do your research before you go to anybody, even if it's here in the States. Um, so same thing goes for a different country. Um, you want to do your research. And the facility I chose is accredited across the boards. They have the same accreditations that a facility here in the U.S. has and has to keep and gets checked on yearly. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, you know, 
it's a one-time thing and you're good for a couple years. This is something that they have to keep up this practice. They have to keep up the standard. They have to keep up the same protocol yearly to make sure that they can keep the same accreditations that any fertility clinic here in the U.S. would have. The difference is it will cost you a fraction. It's a little bit, well, because it's a different country too, so mm-hmm. it costs a living. The U.S. is a little bit stronger in their market. So do you think um, IVF, IVF treatments are on the rise? I really do think that they are. I honestly feel like naturally there are certain things that um, fall underneath that IVF bracket that um, a lot of women don't think about. A lot of women, a lot of men don't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you get pregnant, uh, naturally normally for the first time you're excited you don't really think about hmm let me do genetic testing let me do let me make yeah. sure my fetus is okay let me make sure cuz a doctor can see if your child has down syndrome or something before the child comes out mm-hmm. but you have to be like hmm can you check it they're not going to go out of their way to say hey do you want to get this test done do you want to get that test unless done unless they see something that is wrong unless they yeah. see something that's wrong and a lot of times things slip through the cracks and even then um sometimes that they can be inaccurate cuz i i remember having both my sons tested because they thought they were going to be born with down syndrome mm-hmm. and that was not the case so when when you say you have to be an advocate for yourself because when they said to test and you know i was waiting to my pregnancy maybe you don't want to have the kid i was like well wait wait why is this even a conversation at this point yeah um but you do have to be an advocate of your for yourself and sometimes race does play a part in it oh for sure you know so um going back so you know you're now in the barbados and you said great facility mm-hmm so, um, yeah, we actually contacted them simultaneously while still speaking to an IV- the IVF facility here in the States. And it's, um, it's a renowned facility here. A lot of people right. go to it. And um, for both appointments, I sat down with my husband in the car. We had um, a phone appointment with a doctor here in the States. Um, and then same situation with... Barbados IVF. And what I loved about Barbados IVF is they're like, send me everything you have. Send me all your labs. Send me everything that you, that they've, all the tests that they've took in, everything. Send me everything you have. We're going to send it to our doctor. And um, from there, you'll have an appointment with a doctor, obviously via phone call and um, kind of see what we can do for you. So Honestly, when we had that conversation with our doctor, which her name is Dr. Skinner, we love her, um, she was so upfront with us. She even had, and it's funny because she had mentioned to us, um, she's like, you know, I, I do see um, the break in your husband's um, chromosome. chromosome. And she's like, you know, you guys are relatively young. She's like, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys got pregnant on your own. What IVF facility would tell you, hey, <laughs> you can get pregnant on your own? Because they want where the money resides. Okay. So when she said that to us, we're like, what? She's like, yeah, you know, if you want to take six months and try on your own, do so. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys did 
go ahead and get pregnant on your own and everything was fine. She's like, but this is what we can do. This is what we can do. And um, I'm going to have a genetic counselor reach out to you guys to speak to you guys to tell you a little bit of that aspect because we would have to genetically test all of the embryos. Sure enough, we had a genetic counselor reach out to us, which is something that we we didn't get here. Oh, wow. They told us balance translocation. We had to figure out what balance translocation was. <laughs> In my life, I've never heard yeah. this term ever. I have never heard it until I'm speaking with you. So, And I found a whole community. Yeah. I found a whole community of different parents, women, men who have it, who are trying to conceive, who did conceive, who have children who has it, who has children who don't have it, who have women, some women who have lost track of the amount of miscarriages they've had before they can finally conceive a child. So when she said that to us, we did actually, we took some time. We tried to conceive. We did conceive, but we miscarried every time. Right. And um, we started making our payments. They gave us a quote. Um, even after the six, before when we spoke to her, she told us, um, what she said with us possibly being able to conceive on our own. And, um, if we wanted to take some time, we can, it was never a forced thing for us. It was really, um, about you. Yes. The patient. Yes. And she's like, you know, you, she was telling me about what she saw in my labs and she's like, you guys are young. You guys can conceive on your own. You know, of course there's a risk. Of course, you know, she told us what the the options were, what the possibilities were, you know, she never wanted to, you know, push anything on us she didn't want to change our perspective she just kind of wanted to be a guide okay which is essentially what we needed very good so let me ask you this because you've had you had multiple miscarriages so you total you did hit the three mark at four right but then so what what would the insurance cover like what types of treatments would you then qualify for Unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover IVF. It does not cover IVF. I mean, my insurance does not cover IVF. I know there are some insurances that do cover IVF, but it's not like every insurance covers medical doctor visits, you know? Um, This is something that I feel like happens more often than not. And I honestly feel like it should be something that insurance is put out there more often than not to, hey, you know, well, if this is, if this is a circumstance, yeah, I really feel like, um, in this circumstance, when it comes to infertility, that insurance should, there should be a clause or something, you know, like certain things, like if you needed to do weight loss surgery, if you use medically necessary, your insurance might cover it. So I feel like it should be the same situation when it comes to infertility, that there should be a clause within certain insurance companies that if it's medically necessary or if you have no other option and it's needed, then it should be covered. So what questions should someone ask when they're seeking about um, infertility treatments? Um, I definitely think that one, there isn't an age limit. Um, I think that women of all ages should go to their OBGYN or their doctor and inquire and just ask, you know, us women, um, this new generation of women that we are, we are goal oriented. Mm -hmm. We are business savvy. We are, um, dream driven. 
Um, we, you know, basically hold everything on our shoulders. We go to school full time. We work full time. We want to get where we want to get before we have to think of, okay, well, maybe when I get here and I get there, then I'll think about having kids. So we put that on the back burner. Um, or, you know, we have it and we don't really think about, you know, if there's an issue. So I think that at any given age, whether you are working on, you know, your master's or you're working on building your business and you just know, okay, well, right now I don't want to have kids. Um, I think that you should still go get checked out. I think that you should regularly get regularly get checked out. I think that you should see, you know, um, your ovarian egg reserve. I think that you should do um, genetic testing. It's as simple as a blood work. A lot of these things is just as simple as going and getting your blood drawn. All you have to do is ask. Right. And then it helps with the myth of, you know, one, it's not only for older women, because mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest myth ever. Uh, two, that it's only for a female. It, it, it's both male and female. Absolutely. And three, that it only, like, minorities are so fertile that that's not a minority issue. Hmm. And it truly is an issue in the community, but we just don't speak about it. So I, I do like the fact that you say to educate 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 and advocate for yourself yeah right you did your own research you joined the different communities and then you advocated if something was not what your standard was then you search you seek an alternative method right yeah so thinking outside of the box also helps absolutely right so how has infertility um affected you financially um Well, it definitely put a lot of things that we wanted to accomplish on the back burner. Um, It is costing us a decent amount to go through infertility treatment. And um, there are certain things that we wanted to get accomplished um, that we're unable to get accomplished because we have to use that revenue to go towards our infertility but I like to look at it as there's no timeline or no time frame to get what we need to get done. Right. And I like to look at it as when we get there, we'll get there for us. And, you know, we're our biggest critics in every aspect of our lives. You know, I know I personally envisioned a at this age, where I would be. Like, I knew in my head back when I was maybe 18, 19, that, okay, at 29, you're going to be X amount of kids, X amount career, X amount of properties. Like, you're going to be damn near um, uh, retired. <laughs> <laughs> like, I honestly was like, okay, okay, at 29, if you're not established, then what are you doing? Right. You know? And in reality, it's like, and even speaking to my therapist who was older than me, you know, and I mentioned that to her, I said, you know, where I envisioned myself to be and where I am is two completely different things. And she's like, that's all of us. Mm-hmm. In Jamaica, I like to say, Manaplan got a wipe. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Like, you know, whatever your plans are, sometimes in life, that's not how it works out. But then you always just have to adapt. Oh, Absolutely. And because we didn't think that this would have been a circumstance for us, we didn't plan for it. So what we did plan for ended up compensating for our circumstance now. Right. So it's just riding the wave. 
riding the wave. So what advice would you give to a male or female who is currently struggling with the issue of infertility or um, the potential issue of infertility because they haven't gone through testing, they don't know what their status is, but they're afraid to even start? Like, What advice would you give to them? Number one, I would tell them to take the shame out of it because personally, it's a burden on you. Because men may look at themselves as less of a man. Women will look at themselves as less of a woman. When honestly, it's something that is completely and utterly out of your control. Right. So for one, I would honestly say, if you need extra help, seek extra help. You know, if you need to speak to someone, speak to someone. Because it's not that simple. I can understand that because I I deal with it. I've dealt with it. I am dealing with it. But... There's beauty in speaking out because it's someone else's experience and courage to speak out that led me down my path of finding a way for us to even have the ability to do what we're doing. So there's so much that goes into just expressing and speaking on what's going on. Not only is it healing for you to know that, you know, it's okay. Mm hmm it is a circumstance where you will touch people that you never knew that you could reach. You will have people that will reach out to you and ask you questions. And I personally have spoken to multiple women who, because of certain things that I've said, have gone and, you know, took the initiative to get tested and, you know, found out that either they had something that was, you know, stopping them from being able to conceive or started the process of IVF. Because a lot of times it's it's this stigma in our culture that you know everyone wants to strive for perfection all the time everyone wants you know you go on instagram and social media and everyone wants to portray this perfect little life this perfect little happiness and nobody wants to talk about the flaws nobody mm-hmm. wants to talk about the dents the bumps the roads you know it's almost as if it's like people are afraid to talk about these things when these are the very things that made you who you are And that continued to, you know, mold you into the person that you are. So for me personally, I would say, don't be afraid to speak out. There are even times for me when I go to post something, I, you know, second guess it. And I say, should I even be this vulnerable? Should I even be this transparent? Should I even, you know, speak on this? Because one, you don't want people to look at you like, oh, wow, you know, this is, oh God, she can't have kids. Oh, this is, you know, and people are going to assume what they want to assume regardless. That's, exactly. That's what I chalk it up to. Exactly. People are going to have an opinion. No matter what. No matter what. So when I sit back and I think, okay, Jasanya, if your only reason to not post this is because you're afraid of what someone else may think or what someone else may say, then you need to post mm-hmm. because you're not doing it for people. You're doing this for you. This is a sense of therapy. This is how I found my journey through IVF from somebody else's posts. I followed someone else and I saw her courage and I saw her vulnerability and I saw her strength. And I said, wow, you know, this is beautiful. I, I, I hope I can get to a point where, you know, I'm this transparent with everyone about everything that's going on. And, you know, luckily I've been grace to have an amazing supportive family and a wonderful husband who has been so gracious 
in this entire experience. Yeah. Well, it's also his experience too. It's all it, it's both of yours um uh experience. So he's it's his journey. Your journey is his journey. I'm sure the end result will be It's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a hell of a ride, but honestly I just um I can't I can't stress it enough that man, I like this person. Yeah. For us to to able to deal with this, man, it's been it's been great. Like dealing with it alone in general is difficult. Yeah. And then the possibility of not having that support is just or you know that acceptance because it's like this taboo thing in you know in general in our culture. And then even for me, I'm like I'm I'm one of eight kids and you know, I don't have kids, you know, my siblings, a lot of my older siblings have children. So it's kind of like having that big family, you know, you don't, you're afraid of how people may perceive it. And I can say that, you know, my entire family has been completely supportive, you know, Mm -hmm. down from my, my mother-in-law who doesn't even understand, you know, the idea behind why we're even, you know, having to do this, but she's supporting it. Like she's there, she's willing to help in every way that she can. And, you know, everybody's just waiting, you know, to have that little extra piece to our, to our family. family. That's really good because they understand the concept of the village yeah, and the role that the village sometimes play, um, in someone's, happiness right because if if the village is there as a negative influence it makes the journey a little bit harder oh absolutely and then on top of that you're already dealing with the insecurities by yourself right you know mentally you know that you don't speak of and then you factor in the fact if you don't have somebody who's by your side throughout it all makes it that much harder right so i am so excited and happy that you came i mean this was something that I will say, you said, this is what I want to speak about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was 100% sure this was the topic. She's like, this is what I am going to speak about. And I am I am learning. You know, I never knew about when you said the, the balance and the, or the lack of balance of the chromosomes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you never know. And so this is why I actually love having this this platform where it's, you know, I, I I love to learn. Definitely. And then I love the ability to have our listeners learn. Mm-hmm. And so you just coming in and educating us about a topic that is so taboo. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say it's probably the last two years or three years that I've heard anyone really. Because, you know, I, IVFX um, exists. For exists. You know, infertility exists. Mm-hmm. But women don't want to talk about it. Nobody. Men Forget it. Not even a top, not even in their vocabulary. Right. And I think the last, my last employer, we had some people that were on IVF and they were more willing to speak about it. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and and the the stigma also that comes with IVF, because you think it's a rich, rich person's treatment, treatment, you know, only rich people can Mm -hmm. afford it. And then the people that I saw getting it, I was like, well, wait, no. Yeah. I wonder if they have money. <laughs> <laughs> Some type of old money sitting right, somewhere. Like, where is the money? And I realized that these women were regular nine to fivers that were, this is what they wanted for their family um, or to have, to expand their family. Mm-hmm. And this is what they were doing. And they were open and discussing 
what their their journey was like and the experiences that they have and some of it was not very positive yeah you know well both of it for them was not positive but they did it successfully Mm -hmm. through ivf they were able to have children so you know i'm learning and i hope that or visit or listeners have learned more and so i'm gonna give you the last word to speak on on um infertility in, in the minority community and also what is one question that I did not get to ask you that you wanted to discuss on that topic? I would love to brush more on men and fertility. Right. Because for me, um, I'm coming at it from a woman's perspective. Right. But I've been able to um, kind of limbo between both because it at first it was a situation with me with my PCOS. That's what was told to me. And then we found out in turn that it was balanced translocation from my husband's aspect. So um, there's a lot that goes into men, infertility, and so much shame and so much um, taboo behind it. Yeah. But it is happening and more and more men are becoming infertile and more and more men have infertility issues more than we know of. And that's something that I'd love for us to discuss for, for us to discuss a little bit more because I mean it's it's prevalent. It is, you know. I I I'm gonna be honest. I've never really heard any male kind of unless you're older. Mm-hmm. You know, you're older and you, yeah. you you have some type of accident. Then they'll. That's the only way. God forbid that they can be infertile. They don't want to talk about like yeah. what what happened or. Um, why they're having those issues. But I do believe culture plays a part of oh, a, a huge role in it. Definitely. And myself being from the islands, you know, that's just something that you just don't speak. You don't hear a male speaking about. So we also have to create an environment where it's okay mm-hmm. for someone to have these types of discussions. Definitely. You know, like we're barely creating it for women. You know, yeah. So, so now it's okay. Let's let's make it comfortable for a gentleman to feel um, that he can speak about it without feeling less than yeah than a regular um person. I agree. Yeah, because these are all issues. I agree. Well, Jasonia, it has been a pleasure. Truly has speaking with you and learning from you, and I'm sure my listeners feel the same. So. Thank you so much for coming in and, and discussing this this important topic and educating us about it and, and walking us um, on your journey. I mean, we're not right there, but at least we get a little glance of what you're going through. And um, hopefully when everything is finished, you can come back and celebrate with us. I can't and, wait. And, and we can celebrate <laughs> the success and, you know, laugh, cry, everything with you. Definitely. All right. I'm a big cry baby. So there'll be a lot of tears. <laughs> but you know, we'll know we know it will be tears of joys because we know what your journey has been through. Yeah. Uh it's been like so thank you so much for taking some one some time to talk with Clads. Thank you for having and me. And to all the listeners who have been listening, if you know, if this is something that you struggle with, please, please, um, as as Jasania says, take the shame out of it. Find help. There are different communities. Jasania, where can they connect with you online? You can actually connect with me on Facebook. That's where I follow a lot of my groups for myself personally and what's uh, specific to us and um, what we're dealing with. But you can find me on Facebook under Jasania Compare. 
Or you can find me on Instagram under jess.nyapk.compare. Okay. So um, I post a lot about our journey on Instagram, and I also post on TikTok. I haven't really divulged into much details um, in regards to our process, but um, we have made the conscious decision to kind of... um, document more only because I I found that peace and that clarity within someone else mm. and I know how much of a guidance that was for me so if I can do in even now during my process speaking to multiple women I've been able to help them you know to kind of navigate through their infertility so I found that this is something that I'm actually very passionate about and actually you know honestly wish I knew more about and will take the time to know more about and, you know, um, see if I can kind of advocate more for this, especially within our community. So um, we will be posting more on our um, YouTube page and we will be posting more on Instagram about a little bit more detailed information about our process and, you know, what what took us to get, how we got to where we are. Yeah, because that access to information is key. Yes. And you being a tool for that information, amazing. Thank so you. thank you so much for taking someone some time to talk with class and for everyone that's listening. Thank you so much for listening and joining on Jasonia's journey. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Clads Resources and online at www.cladsresources.com. Our planner, Footsteps to My Vision, is also located on our website or on Facebook, Instagram, or Amazon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep creating your footpath to your vision.